Welcome back to the Joshua Shaw audio experience. Firstly, thank you for giving me a bit of your attention. I'm honored you trusted me with it, and I promise to return the favor by giving you a ton of edutainment value back. In my newest podcast episode, I'll give you an update on the performance of the supplement brand portfolio that just acquired Muscle Farm and explain what leadership plans for its turnaround strategy. But before we get started, I would love if you took 52 seconds out of your day to leave a rating or review on whichever podcasting platform you're currently listening to. This helps me out immensely in terms of extending the reach of my podcast, but more importantly, allows me to make improvements based on your feedback. Thank you again. Now enjoy my newest podcast episode. After a month of owning Muscle Farm, has FitLife Brands given us any hints on what's to come next? I'll answer that introductory question a bit later in this content, but on November 14th of 2023, FitLife Brands reported its third quarter earnings for the period ending September 30th of 2023. As I normally do on these quarterly updates, I'll start by running through some high-level financial data to update you on how FitLife Brands performed recently, but more importantly, I'll use the earnings report, um, conference call, and any relevant publicly disclosed news to give context for my expanded strategic commentary on trends that are happening within the nutritional supplement space. For those new to my content that might not be too familiar, the supplement brands that are within the FitLife Brands portfolio are categorized in three likely now going to be four segments going forward. NDS products, which are a collection of brands mostly sold in the GNC franchise system. Isatory products, which are a collection of brands sold through a diversified retail mix. And recently acquired Amazon-focused brands within Mimi's Rock Corporation. My assumption is that Muscle Farm will be its own segment, but they might also bury it within NDS or Isatory. In total, the FitLife Brands portfolio is sold through more than 20,000 retail locations globally. But let's dive into a quick financial breakdown. And since I haven't created a lot of content pieces on FitLife Brands, I want to start by giving you a bit of reference to the top line revenue performance over the last five years. In 2019, FitLife Brands had annualized revenue of $19.5 million dollars. That jumped a little over 11% year-over-year to $21.7 million in 2020. FitLife Brands increased revenue again in 2021 to $27.9 million. And then finally, in 2022, FitLife Brands grew revenues a little more than 3% year-over-year to $28.8 million. But in the current year, top-line revenue growth has gotten a lot more aggressive because of the acquisition that closed at the very end of February for Mimi's Rock Corporation. So in the third quarter of 2023, FitLife Brands had revenues of $13.9 million, which was up 67% year over year. If you look at the first nine months of 2023, FitLife Brands had revenues totaling $39.4 million. But if we strip out the Mimi's Rock contribution, the legacy FitLife Brands revenue was down 90% year over year. That revenue falloff was a result of the wholesale channel seeing 27% year-over-year decline. And then based on kind of retail data shared by its wholesale partners, the retail movement of legacy FitLife Brands products through wholesale channels declined approximately 14% year-over-year. That leads me to believe it's mostly a revenue recognition timing thing and not entirely reflective of retail demand. I'm also going to call out the e-commerce side of the legacy FitLife brand's performance because it's been a major focus over the last five years. Historically speaking, 
these supplement brands generated most of its revenue from the retailer GNC. And by most, I mean close to 80%, which that key customer risk became even more problematic with the constant business troubles of that specialty retailer over the last five to seven years. So in the third quarter of 2023, the legacy FitLife brands increased its e-commerce revenue 8% year over year. Because of the Amazon-focused Mimi's Rock acquisition this year, it's a bit harder to understand just how much NDS and Isatory products are generating online. But in 2022, that channel accounted for just over $8 million in revenue. And that might sound super small, but consider that in 2018, FitLife brands only sold $850,000 worth of supplements online. With the Amazon-focused Mimi's Rock segment added into the mix, FitLife brands would now be considered a digital first supplement brand portfolio because about 68% of the total revenue in quarter three came from e-commerce. So they've been on quite a transformation journey. But since we're talking about Mimi's Rock, let's look at this segment's performance a bit closer as well because you might be also like getting tripped up again. I stated earlier that FitLife brands quarterly growth overall was up 67% year over year, but that's because of the acquisition affecting the comparatives, not because that segment is growing substantially. In fact, the Mimi's Rock segment declined this quarter to the tune of slightly less than 9% year over year. Leadership at FitLife Brands stated this decline was due to a greater focus on improving cash flow and profitability at Mimi's Rock. The main cost driver being looked at is the effectiveness of advertising spend in the third quarter Mimi's Rock advertising expense as a percentage of revenue decreased 5.3 percentage points, which will result in an analyzed positive profit impact of more than $2 million. On the non-advertising SG&A side, FitLife Brands has been able to eliminate over a million and a half in annual expenses from acquisition synergies. This strategic activity confirms what I've stated in the past about the company being sound operators that lean towards fiscal conservatism, but I'm still a bit weary on how this will play out with adding in Muscle Farm, a second kind of major, at least in their eyes, acquisition that happened within about the last eight months. And this gets us back to that introductory question. For those that haven't followed my previous content, FitLife Brands officially closed the $18.5 million acquisition of the bankrupt Muscle Farm on October 10th of 2023. So are we to expect that FitLife Brands will utilize the same Mimi's Rock integration game plan with Muscle Farm? Yes, but also mostly no. Let me explain. FitLife Brands won't suddenly become terrible operators that throw financial prudence out the window, but Muscle Farm does have a different set of challenges and opportunities. For one, the post-bankruptcy filing version of Muscle Farm doesn't have a lot of SG&A fat to cut. The sports nutrition brand was profitable throughout the bankruptcy period if you back out the absurd monthly legal fees. Instead, the work will have to be done on the above-the-line costs. See, Muscle Farm has a product sales mix that's heavy on protein. Since the Muscle Farm bankruptcy filing was public, I do have access to the financial performance of Muscle Farm and can say that Q3 gross margins were 32.8%. In the same period, FitLife Brands had an overall gross margins of 41%. So even though FitLife Brands will have more economies of scale and negotiation power on the supply side, Muscle Farm will result in an immediate impact to its gross margins until they work through a deeper product strategy, which FitLife Brands 
has addressed by saying they're in the process of relaunching some historically successful muscle farm products. Being that I have intimate understanding of the margin structure of these historically successful muscle farm products, I can say that there is indeed a path to a margin accretive result. If we are just looking at the products, I think a lot of it hinges on FitLife brand's ability to rebuild the Assault pre-workout platform and refine the Combat Protein platform. That being said, there's tons of cleanup that needs to happen across the current product portfolio, brand strategy, and sales channel strategy. Eric Hillman did a good job at keeping the lights on with the bankrupt Muscle Farm brand, but he also isn't a magician. The Muscle Farm brand that was handed to him needed a lot. Muscle Farm had deteriorated significantly since the early 2010s, golden years, when I was a part of the sports nutrition brand's hyper growth phase. The fact is, the Muscle Farm of today is unrecognizable to the one that I left over a decade ago. On the business front, love him or hate him, after Brad Pyatt resigned, all of the vision for Muscle Farm left with him. The last seven or eight years at Muscle Farm has been filled with chasing off-brand trends, totally wrecking any semblance of brand standards, and basically losing all emotional connection with consumers. Where does that usually lead you? Serving the wrong master, aka chasing selling retail dollars. Without supporting the brand and customer long-term, eventually velocities start to slow, and you can even lose those placements altogether. So the chance of getting back to the heyday of Muscle Farm, both from an influence and impact and revenue perspective, is a statistical anomaly. But even clawing back to the level of the last several years will be extremely tough. Here's the good news. I think BitLife Brands will be a good shepherd to the Muscle Farm brand in the latter part of its life cycle. Being that FitLife brands are good operators with a solid track record of driving sales inside specialty supplement retailers, they can restore U.S. wholesale distribution of the brand. But I don't think you should get your hopes up on them entering Costco again anytime soon. Additionally, I think Muscle Farm still has enough of global appeal to help FitLife brands explore more international wholesale opportunities that should allow them to get to better geographical diversification, as the company currently generates 92% of its sales in the U.S. market. In terms of another sales channel and margin increase opportunity, FitLife brands should be able to leverage Mimi's Rock expertise to drive more muscle farm sales through e-commerce. That's an easy long-term win, but it's important to kind of note that currently there's still third-party resellers depleting their inventory that was purchased from the bankrupt Muscle Farm entity. But I just wanna end with some quick final thoughts. I think it's silly to believe that Muscle Farm won't require a bunch of energy to be put towards its turnaround efforts. Yet, FitLife Brands leadership is underselling its potential in 2024. In the first nine months of 2023, Muscle Farm had net sales of just about $10.2 million. If we take its third quarter revenue of $3.8 million, you'd assume then that FitLife brands would at least be expecting around that same run rate number of about $15 million next year, but not so fast, my friends. It noted in the third quarter press release that it expects revenue from Muscle Farm products to only exceed $5 million in 2024. Now I'm all for tempering expectations, especially for a bankrupt asset that needs a major overhaul, but this feels like it's covering the most extreme downside risk scenarios, right? 
I hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode. If you have any comments or questions about anything I discussed during it, open the podcast episode notes and click on any of my social media account links to reach out to me directly. 